Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry with me here today. As always, it is Tuesday, March the 9th. Hope you, are, um, hope you had a great weekend. Hope you're having the beginning of another uh, really good week. A lot of stuff starting to open up around the country. There's There seems to be little light at the end of uh, at the end of the tunnel so um, that's that's all good stuff uh, SEC basketball tournament this weekend actually starts tomorrow night in Nashville it's hard to believe that uh, that begins tomorrow night one game Texas A&M and Vanderbilt and then um, Thursday it kind of starts for real four games on Thursday the uh, four quarterfinals on Friday a couple of semifinals on Sunday and then the SEC uh, tournament championship game on Sunday, and also it is Selection Sunday, so um, big weekend obviously in basketball. Just saw where the uh, All SEC basketball team just came out. I will go over that a little bit as well. So there's a lot of we'll, we'll touch on some basketball today. There's a lot of topics though in the football world that we're going to dive into. In the pregame, uh, in our little pre-show, Chris was showing me um, some of his reading material over the weekend. I'll get him to put that on the screen so you can see that as well. He read what appeared to be hundreds of hundreds of pages of uh, legal documents there from uh, the uh, the LSU investigation that has produced a lot of opinions out there. <laughs> About uh, what's happened at LSU. That's a lot of that's a lot of legal that's a lot of legalese right there from uh, the people at Hush Blackwell. Chris, how are you? I am doing well. Um, big time of year. You know, there was a point in time where this might, I would say, this time of year may have been certainly one of, if not my favorite times of year in sports. Conference championship week in basketball, leading to the three weeks of March Madness. I don't feel that way anymore kind of talk about it and it's not a COVID thing i mean it's more than that um you know, want to get in, you know because <clears throat> i'm gonna I, not to interrupt you but no I, it's, it's a funny thing you say that because i was thinking about this this morning as a matter of fact i was having having my cup of coffee and i was sitting in here kind of working on some stuff at rebelgrove.com Ole Miss is absolutely the team that I cover. Uh, Ole Miss is is absolutely the definition of a bubble team going into this week. I mean, they are they are a walking, talking bubble team. And I was thinking about how in years past, man, I would be calling Jerry Palm and and Chris Dorch and and Joe Lenardi and all those people and getting these big stories about what does Ole Miss have to do to get in? What happens if they do this? What happens if this happens? And you get all these answers from them about well, you know, whatever. 
And I was thinking about how back in the day when I covered Auburn and then when I covered the SEC as a whole in Mobile, this was one of the fun weeks. I looked forward to this week. I would go to Atlanta usually on Tuesday because media day was Wednesday. I would go to Atlanta on Tuesday and I would end up in some sports bar somewhere watching the Mac final or the Sun Belt final or whatever. And I was kind of into it, you know, and uh, I always enjoyed the SEC tournament. Got to see a lot of old friends. I would. I was such a basketball junkie back then that, you know, I'd, I'd pretty much go to all the games. I, I covered the tournament from start to finish, and on the quarterfinal Friday, I would pretty much watch all four games. I'd be at the at the arena from 11 in the morning until about 12.30 at night, and I loved it. Uh, I, I, this year, I'll just – it's on television. I, Ole Miss plays the late game on Thursday night. Um, I'm going to have two stories that are kind of pre-written. I don't even know how much I'm going to watch. I mean, because if Ole Miss loses to South Carolina on Thursday night, it's over, done, finished. If Ole Miss beats South Carolina on Thursday night, they play LSU on Friday night in a game that immediately becomes the single most important game of Ole Miss this season. I'll kind of have that pre-written, Chris. I'm just not – it's funny. It's And I run into a lot of people who say the same thing, and it ought to scare the hell out of basketball people. People who used to really be into college basketball now aren't as into it as they used to be. Yeah, and I don't know for – I know for me, like anything else, as you get older, you know, you have your work. Well, me, my work 12 months a year is football. So, I, I you know, I may keep it on and keep an eye, but I, I don't have time. And I think maybe a lot of people are that way too. But the those that are sports fans, even – they are not as excited. And I think it maybe we talked about it before. Maybe it has something to do with the one and done. But I, I can remember back in the 70s when it was a 16 team tournament. And you had to win your conference tournament. I mean, I remember USC had some uh, oh gosh, uh what um what's the former uh Ole Miss coach that was such a great coach at uh, USC back in the day? He was huh? You talking about Gene? Oh, oh, no, no, no. Ole Miss. Bob Weltman? Bob, no, no, no. I died before Bob. Uh, I mean, after Bob. No, I don't know. Um, it, it was great coach, Scott. He'll come, to, he'll come to me. Great coach at USC. And they had really good teams. Never made the tournament all those years because UCLA was the only Pac-12 team. Um, anyway, uh, or maybe he was at maybe he was at Mississippi State. Maybe I got it backwards. Uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> that that's not important. I, and I can remember back. You know, the year that NC State won it all in the Big Valvano, that they weren't even gonna make the tournament. They needed to, they needed to win to get in. Now that back then it was a forty-eight team tournament, and then it, it expanded to sixty-four. And then we had, I think that's when March Madness was really born because the next year you had Villanova beat Georgetown, and it was like, boy, anything can truly happen. And you know, we've seen stuff. So anyway, no. Uh, enjoy it out there. I don't, it just doesn't have the buzz and, but I can remember it being to where it was huge. I can remember. And I think it's the proliferation of sports on TV. I remember the, the trio remember when it was uh, Emberg and, and McGuire and Packer on NBC and they'd have games on Saturday and Sunday and it was a big deal. I mean, they would have a, a game in the big East one on a Saturday and maybe have Kentucky LSU on a Sunday or whatever. And it was a big deal. Now it's just like, yeah, I got all those games on. You can watch any game, and it's just about the turn. But anyway. It's funny, uh, you, mentioned, it's funny you mentioned Jim Valvano. I've told my son, Carson, 
who is a big NBA guy, and he watches some college basketball, but not as much, certainly as I did when I was his age. And I was telling him the other day, we were we were watching the NBA All-Star game, and we were just kind of talking about stuff that I watched when I was his age. And I was 13 years old when NC State went on that run, and they had to win the ACC tournament to get in. And I remember that tournament run, and have no, there's no reason for a boy from Ruston, Louisiana to be affiliated in any way with NC State, but I like Jim Valvano and I like that Derek Wittenberg and they had Thurl Bailey and I started kind of getting into that team during their ACC run and the ACC tournament, you know, was to a kid in North Louisiana, the ACC tournament was North Carolina and Virginia and Duke and NC State and all this. It was kind of like mythical in my mind, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Me too. Me too. And so NC State got got in the tournament, and and you know they they beat Ralph Sampson and and Virginia, and Ralph Sampson was to me just at that time. It's hard for it's hard for young people to understand it because how could oh man could, was- because today college players aren't superstars. Back then, Ralph Sampson was a superstar at Virginia. Absolutely. It was the the player of the year preseason yeah. during the season. Can anybody beat him out? You're right. It was Yeah. And and so they went on that tournament run and I was telling I was telling Carson about them beating uh I guess they beat Georgia in the in the national semifinal and then they played uh uh Houston five Slam- Houston and five Slam- Jamma. You know. Yeah. And we were talking about that was Clyde Drexler and Akeem Olajuwon. And I was like, you just don't understand what a big deal it was. And and there's no way that he could. There's no way he could understand what a big deal it was. And he was like, when did when was your first college championship game that you remember watching? And I told him, I said, it's funny you ask, because I remember it was Marquette winning the 77 national championship. North Carolina. And then the game that I really remember that I, I well, there's two there's two other games that I really remember from college basketball, and I know I'm eating up your LSU uh, law time. So I'm no, not, no, no, good. Yeah, that's fine. This is good. I remember the day that President Reagan was shot. Yeah, and 19, that, 1981. 81, and that night uh, Indiana played North Carolina. North Carolina for the won the national championship, and that game it happened while this was taking place. This happened. This was the last. Third uh, with, with LSU Virginia, third place game, and it and this all was taking place while they were playing. At my school, the word got out. I was at Hillcrest Elementary School. I was in the fifth grade in Miss Miss Sally Leachman's class. I remember everything about this day because the word got out that President Reagan had died, mm. and I rode my bike home to school thinking that the president had died. I remember how sad it was and how sad some of the people at the school were. And I got home, and this was back at the, I guess, what, Chris, the beginning of CNN and all of that stuff. And they, yeah, had this yeah that's right. Sort of the wall to wall coverage of, of obviously, spoiler alert, President Reagan did not die uh, that day. Um, but it was, you know, I remember that. And, and then there was the big controversy about do you even play the game? Yes. That night, you know, it was Isaiah Thomas and, and Indiana and, and, and all that. And then the game that I really remember, and, and it's the one that those of us who were, old enough to have seen it and I was only nine years old but the 1979 final Michigan State Indiana State Larry Bird Magic Johnson everybody talked about that and North Louisiana that day on a Monday everybody at school we were nine years old that's it and everybody at school was like you know can this is are you going to watch the game and it was everybody knew what game we were talking about and 
And it was such a big deal. And to me, that was kind of the beginning of my sports fandom was games like that. And and I don't know that we I don't know that there's a matchup in the tournament this year at all that could even come close to to touching anything like that. I mean, it just it's it's a totally different sport today. So anyway. No, that's right. That was uh that was kind of the beginning of it because it was there was importance of the games, but this was, I, you know, they, they flipped when they were playing it. I mean, it wasn't always on Monday night and they gradually moved it. And that was just a big, a big, um, a, a big, <laughs> I do remember magic and bird and it was the typical matchup. And then I think what made it legendary is that became the flip around of the NBA. Yep. And so you go back and look at it and that game becomes bigger even than it was then yes. because you look at it and you say, look at what those guys became. Cause I do remember, I remember vividly Al McGuire saying in that game, this magic is good, but the better NBA, NBA player is going to be Greg Kelser. I remember Al McGuire said, I remember him saying that. And then it was those, you know, he called Billy Packer meatball head and, 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 and Packer would laugh and say, you know, you don't know what, you know, it's just, just, it was, and it was, it was a, that may, you talk about uh, broadcast, you know, icons, you know, the Monday night football ones, um, you know, to have that three, that that's up there with the Monday night football trios. And Sue, so I actually mentioned about uh, Larry Bird. Yeah. Larry Bird went to Indiana yeah, and, and, and said, I nothing against Bob Knight. I don't know if he said he was so homesick <laughs> to go to big, bad Bloomington was too big. He had to go back to France to Lake. It was, uh, um, he was, he was, he, he was a, you talk about a country boy. Now he's just a French, <laughs> the hick from French lick. As it was his, his, his father committed suicide, right? Yes. Lick. Yes, he did. Yeah. He wanted to get back closer to Terre Haute, I mean, to, to French lick. So he went to Terre Haute. Yeah. And his, his, um, his, you know, his mom kind of looking after his mom and he had a younger brother, Eddie bird, um, you know, but yeah, no, those are some, those are some great stories. You know, you know what I remember the most about that, that Jim Valvano team in 83 is the AC tournament, but you know, in the first round. So they played, this was before the, the tournament where every game was on, they had late night games in mm-hmm. NC state beat Pepperdine in three overtimes, Jim Herrick, you know, former coach at Georgia and UCLA, he beat they beat that team, and there were three times in that game where they were dead in the water. So they don't make it out of the first round. They get in there, and then they go ahead and they beat they beat um, they beat a what Utah, and then they, they ended up beating Virginia again in that regional. They beat Virginia um, Elite Eight. What's funny, Chris, is you mentioned unbelievable. Their first round games were out, if I recall correctly, in Spokane. It was out west, and I remember things Pepperdine. I don't remember that. I, I, I you know, yeah, it's, it's amazing. The thing about them, they they had them in some rundown motel somewhere, and there was basically no hot water. Yes, yes, I saw. Yes, yes, that's correct. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. It was one of those where you go in, you go into the door. I mean, you don't go in. You you you. You, you go in from the outside into your room type thing. You know, it was one of those deals. You know, you mentioned 81, 82, and we're, we're going to get off this second. It's, it's now memory lane. I didn't know we're going there. 82 was, first of all, 81, Isaiah Thomas, the game you mentioned, they they beat um, that night. But 
what what people may for may or may not forget, and Dean Smith got a lot of criticism. You talk about guy that was criticized if he couldn't win the big one, yada 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 yada. Um, Michael Jordan went on that was not on that team, but Perkins and Worthy were. Um, Brad Doherty, Al Wood was the point guard. It was a, I mean, you look at that was a star-studded team. The next year in the Superdome, I was at that national championship game, and that was Georgetown, North Carolina, Michael Jordan, freshman hitting the jumper to win it. Um, and that was one of the all-time greats. Oh, and also, because, because also along those lines, Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing was there. George, Sleepy Floyd. Yeah, and Patrick Ewing was an absolute superstar. Unbelievable. Because Unbelievable. Of, you know, when, when Georgetown played, an ESPN based up in Connecticut would show a lot of Big East basketball because yes, sir. it made a ton of sense, right? And so you would watch, you know, a lot of Big East, and Patrick Ewing was on all the time, and Chris Mullen was at St. John's, and – uh, you know, you had Roly Massimino. At, at, at they ESPN did a great job of making the Big East. That's right, bigger than life. Dave Gavitt did it. He said, "We're going to play in these these big big arenas." You're right. They had John Thompson and Bayheim as a young coach, and Cornaseca and Massimino, and I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And then a little bit later, a few years later, some young upstart punk that no one liked rick patino at providence and you know and it was just going and this was long before jim calhoun came over from bu to connecticut connecticut wasn't anything i mean it was just you know it was just it was an incredible league but you know the other thing that i found interesting and promise we'll move off it's just (laughs) one of those ironies you mentioned 81 and that was the last year that ralph sampson played at virginia do you realize that the year after Ralph Sampson left Virginia and the year after Dominic Wilson, Wilkins left Georgia, those two teams went to the Final Four <laughs> without them. That's right, because that was like Jeff Lamp and and uh, all those guys at Virginia took, uh, uh, took uh, Virginia to yeah. the Final Four. And they Othello Wilson. Yeah, couldn't. And, uh, and uh, the guy that was that, – that's uh, the – the um, gosh, he's a really good basketball coach. Um, um, Jeff Jones. Jeff Jones, you know, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of guys. Anyway, so uh, we went down, we went down a, a rabbit hole path. But anyway, enjoy right. the tournament. So yeah, enjoy the tournament. So let's we'll start here since since Jeffrey asked about it. We're going to get to the LSU stuff. We're going to talk about Alabama and Georgia that story as well. But uh, one of the big stories in in football today is Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys agree to a new deal. I, I think it's four years, one hundred and sixty million dollars. Chris, I think it's one hundred and twenty six million guaranteed. It's a it's a, a, a huge amount of money. Jeffrey says, so Dak finally got paid. Chris, who do you think won Dak <laughs> or Jerry referring to Jerry Jones? No, this is this is no brainer. Dak Dak was always going to win this because Jerry and them messed this up. They could have had him done two years ago and for a fraction of this price, they could have had it just to give you an idea. And I tweeted this out last night by not getting this deal done last year, it cost them an extra $30 million. So that, that is that a good enough answer of, of who won it? Uh, Dak won it big time and didn't play most of last year because of an injury. Um, it's $66 million signing bonus. That's the most in the history of the NFL. It surpasses by 1 million, the 65 million that Russell Wilson signed. It's, 75 million this year with his salary. It is a six year deal that voids after four, which really means this it's a four year deal with a six year 
cap outlay so they can push money back to make cap room. It's um, it is a big, 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 big time win. But it was it, it absolutely knew that it was going to be the case because of how Dallas played this out long term. It's the lesson that if you have a good young player, sign them long term. If he doesn't turn out to be as good as you hope, you can move on from it. If you let the guy get get closer without a contract, the leverage is always to that player. Now, sure, they could, oh, debilitating injury, Chris. Yes. Usually that would have to be something tragic, like, you know, a car accident, spinal cord, whatever. Because most of the time, particularly at this position, they're coming back and they're getting their money. So big, big, big win for Dak. No question about it. And, you know, people will say, well, not worth that. Folks, that's – thank the Cowboys for that. You think their inability to get that – it has nothing to do with how he ranks among the best quarterbacks in the league. It has everything to do with what your other options are. It's supply and demand like in any business world that determines where a guy – what a guy gets and how much. I feel like I ask you this every single week, and, and I apologize because I'm, I'm sure you feel like when I do it, you feel like pulling out something and stabbing me through the through the screen. But how does this impact the other quarterbacks that are out there on the market, if at all? Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Uh, well, they're both they're both under contract, so I mean they're they're both under long term deals. What it does, it elevates the next guy getting a deal, whomever that is. It could be, you know. Some young guy that's close to it, I mean, um, Josh Allen, you know, which because Mahomes got hit. So it elevates everything, you know, rising tides raises all ships. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's like George Rebel says, 40 million a year for a quarterback, not, doesn't matter. It is what are the other options? Again, how Dallas played it is the reason why they're spending so much. Um, the market dictates it. And what are the other options? They're not enough quality quarterbacks. So you're not paying for greatness. You're paying for the ability to have somebody that's pretty good or to avoid the other alternatives. So as I always say, what should have been done in this situation with Dallas is you assign him over two years ago before it ever gets to this. And if he doesn't want to sign a long-term deal, and he probably will because security is important. Um, by the way, that would have been for $50 million less. It's a $50 million mistake going back two years, $30 million one year. That, that, that ought to tell you what it is. But they could have still had him sign. And if he didn't want to sign, then you go about drafting or looking at other options to – mitigate the potential loss if you didn't want to want to want to sign them. so for example they're up against the wall what are they going to do they're the cowboys they 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 if they don't have Dak, they got nobody and so they basically screwed themselves in this situation so they cost themselves more money but that's what happens in my opinion anyway when you don't have good football people running the operation you get a lot of these mistakes made and you can't mitigate those mistakes because you don't know how to. You better understand you know, how to evaluate the market and evaluate your roster first. Evaluation starts at home first. If you don't know what you got, if you don't know the market, you get you make mistakes like this. And I'm not saying Dak is a mistake, good player, but to the point of well, how you get $40 million, we just explain why. <laughs> that's exactly why. Oh, that's exactly right. I mean, he – 
to Dak's credit, he just kind of held firm. His people held firm. They knew the money would come, and there it is. I mean, and look, look at the Eagles. Look at how much they traded up with the Rams to get Carson Wentz, and look at how much they paid him his second contract, and look how much they ate and will eat in cap money, dead money this year, and he's not on the team. He's gone. Think about that. I know. That's a great point. I mean, I mean, he's the only one that makes that mistake. So I don't want to, uh, this is all, Jack, I mean, look, the Howie Roseman and the Eagles have, have screwed that up as well. Can the Cowboys still contend? Is this, I mean, it, this, this is, this commits them to a, a, another era of mediocrity, correct? Well, here's what it does, though. Here's the, why did he get the 40 million? Could you imagine in this year's cap year, if they had to put the tag on him again, then they would, they would have hardly nothing. Because think about it. Every year, you're building contracts into the future with the idea that there's going to be a 10% increase in the salary cap each year. Well, not only do we not have a 10% increase this year, it's 15% below what we normally saw. It's a 25% margin correction downward this year. So could you imagine having to put a double cap, a double tag number on him? They couldn't have operated this year. So at least it gives them a better chance this year of putting a team around Dak. But Dallas has not had a whole lot of depth. That's a division that is very weak. So, but are the Cowboys a team that's a, a real threat deep into the playoffs? Probably not. I don't, I don't know. They're not. Are they a team that can make the playoffs? Well, that division's wide open. And that's probably enough, at least financially, for them to be relevant. And that's what they want to be, quite frankly. They'll tell you they want to win. Of course, they want to win it all, but I don't think they're built good enough to be able to do that. All right, let's switch to the college game. You've been um, – you put on your legal glasses over the course of the weekend. You you, you pulled out the Hush Blackwell report. I'm not going to do that again. Whew. You didn't sleep. You just, just read and you read and you read and you read. Confused. Do you feel like you spent the spent three years at LSU Law School after this? Man, I – well, I don't know. They, they, they would laugh at – at the at the application, if it did, um, <clears throat> the, the the comeouts of it, and and of course, when we left on Friday, we said, as we get off the air, LSU is getting ready to release the Hush Blackwell report, which was in that report in the investigation by Hush Blackwell. It unearthed the, follow me here, I know, folks, the Taylor Porter investigation by LSU done in 2013 that unearthed the transgressions of one less miles, who, when we left, thought we said it won't be long before less is removed as the head coach of Kansas. Um, well, we, we, did, we didn't, <laughs> next show, and he's already gone. And Friday, Les was put on administrative leave, which, in case you don't know, that's code for we got the legal department to figure out how we're going to make this work to our benefit. And he's, he's gone. gone. Yeah, for sure. So that was Friday night. Uh, news dump, as they call it in your business. News dump Friday night. Uh, Les Miles put in administrative leave and, and uh, yesterday uh, released him. So coming out of the 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 Black Girl Port, um, the, the things that they found into the Title IX, and this is not done. This was a, a report. We'll see what the Department of Education does, although I don't know from what I'm understanding. I don't know what 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 they could do. But I think the big thing 
that comes out was the consistent uh, badgering of one young lady that ran the in-house recruiting, um, which basically was, you know, coordinate all the hostesses and make the, the on-campus visit. Um, and, you know, Miss Lewis is was someone that said in the investigation, she had a nervous breakdown because of a lot of the things that were done to her based upon which she was reporting stuff that was being done and, um, whether it's less miles, players, stuff that's being reported in the end, what the Hutch Blackrow report said was a lot of mismanagement, a lot of cover-ups, a lot of malfeasance of people not doing what they're supposed to. And the end result was LSU is a lot of folks typically do. Oh, we're we're embarrassed by this. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to open up new buildings and new programs, and we're going to have we're gonna, we didn't have enough people to cover it. What they said was that there was one person handling all the Title IX issues for the athletic department when it should have been at the university. This is not an athletic department issue, by the way. This is a university wide issue. So it is gonna it's gonna unearth a lot of changes, but that's kind of like. Keep in mind that when all the people, well, most of the people in that the key positions are not there anymore. So it's the typical we're we're appalled what happened. We're gonna make that change now, you know. And it's a little bit of kind of passing the buck down the road of what happened. What I thought was most interesting, and we left Friday saying, I don't know how in the hell LSU didn't fire less miles based upon the Taylor Porter report in 2013. Well, we now know what I now know that I did not know Friday because we've got the email evidence and it is one of these pages in here where former athletic director Joe Oliva sends the message to F. King Alexander and the board saying, based on what Les Miles has done with these students, which we talked about on Friday, bringing them to his condo and burner phone and all that, we can fire them with cause, and I recommend that we do so immediately. It there, black and white, done. Yep, right there. And it was the main guy, the head, one of the, the key board members, Bobby Arborough, said, we're not going to be able to win this in court because it's not. this will not be defined in court as sexual harassment. Taylor Porter, the law firm, said, while this is, they use the term creepy, very inappropriate, I don't think this rises to the level of sexual misconduct. Now, this is 2013. Now, this is a legal opinion of a law firm. So, in essence, what happened was, LSU got scared that they couldn't win it in a lawsuit, so they kept it under the rug, pushed it under the rug. And remember 2013, it was still going pretty good. You know, not, you know, they lost the national championship game. It's still going pretty good. So in their opinion, they were afraid that they would, Hey, this, we take this public, we lose, we have to pay them money because we can't fire them with cause because it doesn't rise in the opinion of legal minds that they could win this as sexual misconduct. Well, 
Hirsch Blackwell says in their report, mm -hmm. they say we absolutely think that's the definition of sexual misconduct. Now, is that just two legal minds, firms differing? Is it the society changes from 13 to now? Well, okay, it, it, you're onto a couple of things here that I want to I want to touch on. One is is there there, there is a societal change in, in the way we we talk about these things between then and now. But here's yep. I, I want to ask you this because sometimes, you know, when coaches will tell you, "Hey, during an open date, for example, we do self scouting." I've had good coaches tell me, "You know what we do throughout the year is." We try to have outside people who aren't in the building do the scouting. Why? Well, the reason is the same reason that I love. If I'm going to write something that's long, that I want to be good, that I want people to really sink their teeth into, and when they're finished, go, man, that was a good piece of writing. I don't want to be the one that edits it myself. Why? Because two things. One, my eyes have been on it forever. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over it in my brain, even though I can't help myself. And two, I'm attached to the work. I wonder if, and you're there in Baton Rouge, I wonder if LSU, because LSU used Taylor Porter a lot for legal stuff. I wonder if there was too much, for lack of a better word, intimacy between Taylor Porter and LSU for Taylor Porter to to recommend something that would have been, at the moment, like getting rid of Les Miles in 2013, scandalous, explosive, bad for the brand, all of those things. I wonder if that led to a really bad recommendation on the part of Taylor Porter. I, I don't think so, and here's why. That Taylor Porter report was very disturbing. It was the genesis of what we talked about Friday. It said oh. all the things that he did. I think, and again, that they didn't recommend any action. Okay? They didn't. What they were saying is, legally, could we? Could you win this in a court of law as sexual misconduct? Well, excuse me, sexual assault. Because I mean, I, sexual misconduct. I, I listen. I the legal part of this. I, I apologize. I'm not. Okay, no, but, okay. but 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 sexual assault is different. And and you know, so I think they gave a legal recommendation, which they thought. And and but they weren't. They were pretty obvious. And I mean, I I, I think. I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't. I don't. I don't want to speak what they're thinking. But, but I, it, it's pretty clear with what they said. It was pretty bad. But it's. But it's up to you, LSU, to decide. You know what you want to do. We, we've given you that. You've got to decide what it is. What the punishment is, LSU. In fact, Hutch Blackwell. If you look at it, I looked over and over again. Friend of mine, an administrator at LSU, university administrator, talked to him Friday. And he hadn't, and I was trying to read through it at the time. Said, "Oh, uh, Hush Blackwell, absolutely for all the money they paid LSU, absolutely had to give LSU a recommendation." I read through the damn thing. They do not give LSU a recommendation on the punishment. They basically laid it out, and this is where I want to go with it. LSU decides two people involved. There are more than two people involved, but the two people that got suspended, Miriam Seeger and Verge Osbury. 21 and 30 day suspensions without pay that wouldn't even classify as slap on the wrist. Now there's some theories on that. Um, I'm going to be full disclosure here. I just got to be, I mean, I got to be honest. 
Virgil Osbury was a player for me at LSU. Okay. Friend, I've helped him a bunch. He's been involved in a number of coaching searches with a number of different athletic directors. I've been a confidant of his. Um, I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm for him and his family. I mean, he's he's got kids. He's got a got a good young son, but was prospect at U High, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm, I think he's very fortunate to have a job. I don't know when this is all said and done. If, if, if this is either going to go away and die away because he's an administrator and people, you know, out of sight, out of mind, people don't know him, know him, not visible like coaches, or maybe this will, this will, you know, maybe it'll get so negative that he'll leave or, uh, you know, whatever, you know, verge for people who don't know. I don't know if people are familiar, Neil. You may be being from, but if people are familiar with the name, our, our Louisiana list is Moriel. Yeah. Former, okay. Uh, Moriel family, the dad and the son, former mayors of New Orleans. Verge is married to Dutch Moriel's daughter. Very politically connect, connected, African American, very involved in the. NAACP, the black committee, there's a lot of, he's been around a long time. I wonder if there was a, a situation where they're a little bit concerned about, you know, if they let him go, <laughs> I mean, would he spill the beans? It's his school, but you know what I mean? You know, and then, and then you got the political backlash, you've got potential NAACP black backlash. And then if you get rid of one of the two, you've got the Miriam Seegers, a, a female, and you know, we know where we are right now because what was concerning, Scott Woodard was not here for any of this. But I'm going to tell you, Scott Woodard, the athletic director, he's on the clock now. Oh, what sure. happens now? It matters. He came out and said something. I mean, he, I mean, they announced Thomas Galligan, the interim president, said the 21 and 30 day suspension. And Scott, I don't know that this was the right time to say this, but he said, Miriam Seeger and and Virgil Osbury are have been very good and very loyal employees. I don't know that that was the right time to say that when they were very actively. Now again, did they procedurally mess up, or did they try to cover it up? I <laughs> there's a lot of things that just it's more than just filing the paperwork and it was trying to the Drake Davis situation is beyond disturbing. By the way, I don't know if people know who Drake Davis is. Sure. That is, is Lester Earl. Lester Earl was the guy that brought down Dale Brown. Oh, that's right. (laughs) And, and, and that, this is his son. And you you talk about, you talk about that, 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 uh, that guy (laughs) is more negative effects of LSU than anybody. There's a, there's a book right there. I, I guess, so right now what's going on on campus, yesterday there was a sit-down at the LSU uh, football office, students, just the sitting down so the players couldn't leave and come in. And, I mean, there was Eddie Kennison, who's kind of director of player programs, came out and said, hey, you know, they, these kids got to go to school. We got to go to class. Please let them out. And they, and they just, they just sit down. So I don't know how long that'll last, you know, those sit downs and all, but basically the, the, the community on campus is not taking this well. They feel like the basically sexual assault, this is all you get. So at the end of this 21 and 30 day 
unpaid suspensions for two people that are well paid and probably did things that would uh, would classify in most cases you losing your job and probably not being able to work in athletics again. Well, uh, that's, it, that's, that's difficult. That's, it's difficult to deal with. And, and it and happens at the same time that we, we, we opened the show talking about NCAA basketball. LSU's going to play Ole Miss or South Carolina on Friday night in the SEC tournament. LSU's headed to the NCAA tournament. Will Wade's on a federal wiretap talking about paying, and, and he's still the coach there. If, if, if you're part of the academic community at LSU, for example, and, and, and academic communities, I grew up in a higher education home. My dad worked at Louisiana Tech for, God, 20 years. He was the dean of education at, at Louisiana Monroe. He was the head of freshman English at Ole Miss at the end of his career. And, I didn't know that, by the way. That, that explained your, your writing career. Go ahead. And, and, uh, and, and my dad liked sports. We grew up in a we, – we, we went to sports. We had Louisiana Tech's football season tickets. We had basketball season tickets. We, we, we went to sports. I mean, I was a – I was a big tech fan. I've uh, got, got the hat here to prove it somewhere. Um, I, was, I was a big tech fan. I say all that to say, but my dad would get very frustrated with athletics and the emphasis that was put on athletics. And uh, he understood it. He understood it was the, the front door to the, to the institution, but, but he would still get frustrated with it. And my dad was a, <laughs> as it pertains, certainly on a, on a prism of liberal to conservative as it pertains to university faculty members my dad was pretty right wing um <laughs> that, that there was a so and that's this this is still the case at lsu and every other major public institution in america there's there are people on that campus right now that are absolutely boiling mad about the what's happening to athletics and 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 how they're they're getting a pass here and that lsu's obviously call it a cover-up or not whatever you want to do lsu protected the brand at, in in a in a moment when um the more appropriate thing would have been to protect the people who were being victimized well and and again i want to emphasize there's a bigger issue on campus cuz this sexual assault issue on campus is huge i i've been told that it wouldn't be surprising if they shut down the entire greek program at lsu wow due to some sexual assault issues. So this is like, this is a, I mean, I mean, it almost sounds like what happened in the athletic department because it's a, it's a smaller group than the entire campus. Uh, it, it, it was a campus wide problem that they got to get there. So this is definitely a board of supervisors and university president and chancellor focused issue with the athletic director, you know, needing to clean up, clean up his, you know, side, but this needs to come from the top. And, but I do find it interesting that it was Joe Oliva that said, I want less. Now, let me just say this. Joe did not like less miles. Never did. And so, but he thought, you know, this was an opportunity to get rid of him. It was the president of the university and, and the board said no. You know who the president was? F. King Alexander at the time. And he 
read the same report about the creepy stuff Les was doing and said, no, we're not going to fire him. Yet, you know, I remind you where F. King Alexander is today. He's at Oregon State, and he was one of the big guys that was high and mighty about, oh, SEC playing football in the COVID year. You know, he's one of the, the Pac-10. So, wow. I mean, is this coming out as just hypocrisy? Is like, you got to be kidding me. You know, what a, what a, you're right. What a buffoon. Um, anyway, so it's just, it, it, it comes out. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's coming across on campus very poorly. It's coming across as you're not taking sexual assault seriously. And it's almost like we're passing the buck administratively. Oh, all this stuff happened with other people. Uh, and we're going to change this policy and that policy and create this program and that program. And we're going to fix all this. Trust us. We let you down. But then they got two people that were right in the middle of it that have got not even would amount to a slap on the wrist. Yes. And so they're not happy about it on campus. And it's a big problem. It's a big mess. And I don't know where it's going from here. The investigations by different parties are not over. And you mentioned Will Wade. You mentioned um, – there, there's plenty of other stuff. There's recruiting improprieties on the football side that I, you know, now here's the thing. And I know we're going to get into it because there's another issue in the conference. Nobody, nobody does cheating uh, uh, rumors like the SEC, but it, 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 the NCAA people said, what's the NCAA going to do with all this? The NCAA is going to do what they always do. They're going to sit there and watch it and read it and keep up on everything. And, and, do whatever they're going to do because they have no investigative powers. All this stuff has come out because this is issues related to Title IX, and basically it's been uncovered. None of this stuff was reported on. None of this stuff was investigated. There was no hint of this. I told you that, you know, Les always kind of came a little, off a little, a little creepy. I didn't know this. I mean, and if I did, I w I'm not an investigative reporter. I wouldn't have said it. But man, this has become become pretty pretty big. And, and Jeff Parrott says something here. At least Joe Oliva didn't make the same mistake that he did at at, at Duke. Um, Duke. He was there with the Duke lacrosse issue. He was the athletic director at Duke. Um, and of course, they jumped on those kids, and it turned out to be not true. But in this case, he was on the side of getting rid of Les. Partly, I'm sure, because he didn't like Les, but he thought there was enough there. But again, here's an athletic director, and this is a, a lesson, too, that these athletic directors don't have the power that you think they do. You know, the only power they have is their power of persuasion. If they can get their president, their chancellor, their board members to think along the lines that they do, that's the key because it really comes down to the legal maneuverings, the legal maneuverings of how you can deal with this and part ways and make it, you know, in this case, in this day and age, if you can't keep anything under wraps, LSU sure did for a long time. We'll switch to another topic in a second. First, I want to tell you we're brought to you by Blue Sky. They believe in being fast, fresh, and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh. They always provide the freshest flavors of the brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores. 
to provide an even better customer experience. Blue Sky wants to show their customers they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. And we're also brought to you by Alpha Specialties. Alpha Specialties located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. It's your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it. It's the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail, the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailers being built today. They also have Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to deer camps, hauling race cars, and so much more. They can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built for, for you. For our podcast listeners, they've got spare tires and wheels starting at just $100, a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories. Listeners can get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full service shop. They can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. So give them a call at 601-932-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. Make sure you tell Alpha that you heard about them on the MPW Digital Network of Podcasts, which includes SEC Football and beyond. All right, Chris, the other uh, topic that came out over the course of the weekend, and I'm not sure where I stand on this, so kind of give me a minute to sort through this in my mind because I know a lot of these people. Rush Probst, former, uh, I guess he's not a former, soon to be former, I suspect, high school coach uh, in Alabama, Georgia, very good coach. He was on that MTV show when MTV turned the Hoover program into an MTV show. And Rush Probst likes him some Rush Probst. He was recorded talking to this cat in Valdosta who's the head of the quarterback club or the touchdown club or the whatever, the kind of the kind of the guy from Friday Night Lights who made stuff happen at Odessa Permian. He's that guy at Valdosta. And so he's on a 15-minute recording with Rush Probst, where Rush Probst starts out kind of talking about some kids that they're trying to recruit to Valdosta and how they're going to do it. By the way, it's illegal to do what Rush is doing. And so they're talking about these clandestine ways to move money, cash money, Rush says, to move money around, uh, you know, maybe how to get an extra $4,500 a month to Rush so that he can use for some um, phones and that kind of thing to hide some of this recruiting and needs a little money for his truck and all that. And then at some point, Rush Probst gets into storytelling time. And he says, I think the guy's name is Nub or Bub or something like that. And he no, said, yeah, sir. He's a, he's the head of, yeah, go ahead. He says, uh, you know how Kirby's doing it down there? And he says, well, he's a good recruiter. Well, you know what makes him a good recruiter? Well, he's taking care of him. And then he proceeds to go into some specifics. And he says that Rush, Rush Probe says that Kirby Smart, the head coach at Georgia, is using Hugh Nall, who is in the um, trucking business, logistics business in uh, Albany, Georgia. <coughs> Hugh, by the way, was an offensive lineman on Georgia's 1980 national championship team. He was the offensive line coach for Tommy Tuberville at Ole Miss and then at Auburn. And at one point was the offensive coordinator at Auburn before he got out of football and 
Um, I've known Hugh for a long time. I covered him at Ole Miss. I covered him at Auburn. I'll be honest with you, Chris. This was the weird part about this is that when I heard, I'm just listening to the tape, and then he says Hugh Nolan, I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold up, what? Because that struck me as, no. I've known Hugh for a long time. Um, my dad taught Hugh's daughter at Ole Miss. Um, that doesn't strike me as something that I would quote buy end quote. Subsequently, Rush Probst goes on to talk about, well, you know where Kirby learned it, right? And ultimately says, learned it from Nick. Nick, referring to Nick Saban, the Alabama coach. And he says, you know, Nick only answers to one person, Paul Bear Bryant Jr. And then he starts talking about the way that they make things happen. And they mentioned specifically Mobile. And he mentions names in Mobile. And he mentions sort of things in Mobile. And I worked in Mobile for a long time. And I'm going to tell you that that part is really damn believable, if I'm honest. I mean, I was like, eh, I mean, I know some of those names. I know how that deal worked down there. Um, there's a lot there. And there's a tendency. It's funny. Or it's ironic. There are people that are like, well, you know, Rush Probst is an idiot. Rush Probst is an egotistical maniac. Rush Probst is full of blah, blah, blah. And that's pretty true. However, some of the things Rush Probst says are things that we've all heard. And it does make you wonder, he didn't know he was being recorded. Was he telling the truth? Well, one of the first thing that comes out is, yeah, Rush has had a lot of problems personally, professionally, but is this a Jose Canseco situation where, you know, when he he broke the steroid story in baseball and, you know, Jose was completely unreliable. I mean, lied just about everything. It doesn't mean he lied about that. And so, you know, I don't know. It could be. Um, Here's the thing. You got to prove that. You just mentioned Will Wade down the road. I mean, he's still coaching. <laughs> I, I can confess, he's still coaching down the road at LSU. Proving this stuff is different. Is and so let's see because we heard some. I can't remember. We there was some story, and I, I even forgot what the story is about Georgia several weeks ago that came out. Oh, that was wasn't it like a Dan Patrick or somebody said this or that or yeah. somebody said I may be wrong, but it was it came out. Look, I, is, I've been around this over 30 years. To, am I, like, going to be shocked? To, of course not. I know there's a lot of things that happen. But the bottom line is, can it be proven? Because if it doesn't, that's great. Nice talk, but, you know, sure, got to prove it. And, you know, they were things that were found at, um, at Tennessee. Um, by the way. Probably the best friend in the world is Jeremy Pruitt is to Rush Pros. Yeah. Worked for, you know, I mean, I, he idolizes Rush. He worked, he was the defense coordinator for Rush at Hoover. Um, so I, I think we need to let this look. I mean, am I going to be some, we've seen this happen before. There's a lot of cynicism. It'll never happen to Georgia and Alabama. They're the blue, blue, blue. Well, maybe, but you know what? How often does it happen to anybody recently? I mean, Tennessee, but obviously Tennessee didn't cover their tracks. So let's see. I mean, it's going to take more than just rush probes 
by the way, I mean, who's taping that? How is it taped? I realize anything can be taped today with the phone, but with did somebody, I mean, I wouldn't think neither one of those guys would want to have that on the phone. Cause did you hear what else was on there? Here's the thing that was the most salacious. How about Rush Probst? And again, can you prove this? He said that when he was at Hoover, the police department at Hoover. Yeah, I know. Took drug money. So when they make a drug bus and get cash and they would use that cash to pay high school players. Now that's, that's pretty big, big deal. There is, can it be proven? Do you have a money trail? I mean, again, or is that again, Russia guy uh, that that's, talking you know like oh tell you what we did we did yeah. I, I don't know i mean i don't know that and i'm not I, I i mean i love the advance the story but if i said every rumor i i man there's a whole lot with a lot of people there are a whole lot of stories historically and things that you hear and that you know based upon people that you deal with in the profession, but proving it's a completely different situation. I'm curious to see if anything comes of it. My guess is based upon what we have now, nothing will come of it unless there is some, you know, paper trail that will connect it. Um, Cause this stuff is usually handled in a way where it's not traced. <laughs> You know, so I don't think anybody that is listening to us would be like, oh, shocked. You know, players could be paid money. Uh, of course. I mean, we see it a lot. And then there's a lot of the, you know, well, the big boys never get touched. Well, sometimes they do. USC got hit. They're Alabama actually, got hit in the Memphis deal. The big boys do get hit. Ohio State got hit. I got hit. USC got hit. Alabama and the Albert Means old situation and that stuff right there in Memphis. Not, you know, it's it's the thing that's that's most interesting. That that's most frustrating sometimes. And I understand why fans. And I'm in a town where fans are very NCAA frustrated because sure, it, and it's justified because Ole Miss people look at this and go, "Well, no, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, we got crushed, and there wasn't a lot there." Certainly was not this kind of allegation. Um, you know, it wasn't hundred and eighty thousand dollars to Nick Chubb to get him to to stay another year at, at Georgia. I mean, Ole Miss is accused of giving Larry Mead Tunsil's stepfather seven hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars, and letting him keep a loaner car and letting him sleep on a coach's couch and trying to, to give to give money to a player who ended up playing at Mississippi State. Um who said in an NCAA hearing that he took money from LSU and Mississippi State in addition to Ole Miss. I mean, there, there, there's there's a frustration there. but And when I try to tell them this, they get mad at me, and I understand why. But if you know any NCAA people, you know that what they would really love is to walk in to the office there in Indianapolis and hold up the big scalp. I got Georgia. I got Alabama. They, they, that's what they want to do. There's this perception that the NCAA protects these programs. And I think what it boils down to is the NCAA just has no resources. They can't get it done. No, no subpoena power. And so and they basically you want to know is that some people can cover it up better, which is so, why I think it's why people look at the LSU stuff and go, but there's a federal. Yeah, no, I get and then, and then, but then you get into legal stuff. It's like, so it, it's kind of like, it, isn't it, isn't it true? And I apologize for me. 
if you commit a crime, but they don't read you the Miranda rights that, you know, I mean, technically you get off on a technicality. I mean, that happens in our legal system. This is what's happening. I think basically in the, um, the will wait situation, whether it's admissible or not. And I mean, so, I mean, my, my point is, it's like, you know, yeah, you could know, but the NCAA, you know, could they, here's the thing. North Carolina was one of the recent ones that had the whole academic scandal and they got away from it. They sued the heck out of it. And, um, <laughs> and won. I, you know, it, it, it's it's all about the ability to cover it up. And if you don't have all the loose ends tied, you could get caught. They're going to get you. But, no, I agree. I think they'll get – they would get a big one if you could get them. The ones that do the better job of it, <laughs> they don't get caught because you can't prove it. It, it. There are rumors everybody with everybody about everything. But proving it's – a lot more difficult. And I know, well, you know, you got, we'll wait on tape. I'm, I'm as surprised as anybody. I don't get it, but obviously there's something there. <laughs> and and it's not just, well, Mark Emmert's a friend of Ellie. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Mark Emmert and Scott Woodard are close, but I, I, I think there's more there. You just, you, if you, if you cheat and you don't cover your tracks, you're going to get caught and hammered. It's a story that won't go away. I'll tell you that. Um, as we start to wrap, we'll be back on Friday. When we do, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll SEC quarterfinals will be set. The uh, first round starts Wednesday. The uh, second round is all day Thursday. There's four teams that got a double bye into the quarterfinals, Alabama, Arkansas, LSU, and Tennessee. Those teams will uh, take the court in Nashville for the first time on Friday. We'll talk about those games a little bit on Friday. The SEC today announced its uh, basketball awards for the year. Alabama Nate o- uh, Alabama's Nate Oates is the uh, SEC Coach of the Year. No shock there. Alabama's Herbert Jones is uh, the Player of the Year and also the Defensive Player of the Year, uh, having a great season for the Crimson Tide. Dylan DeSue, the Vanderbilt Center, is the Scholar Athlete of the Year. Uh, Moses Moody of Arkansas, the Freshman of the Year. His teammate, uh, J.D. Note uh, from Arkansas, is the Sixth Man of the Year. So uh, Alabama and Arkansas, as you might expect, the two teams at the top of the league dominate the uh, individual awards. The uh, first team in the SEC, uh, Herbert Jones and John Petty Jr. from Alabama, Moses Moody from Arkansas, Trey Mann from Florida, Cameron Thomas, the uh, very talented freshman guard from LSU, uh, Devontae Shuler from Ole Miss, Drew Smith from Missouri, uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. from Vanderbilt. They all got enough votes to uh, get SEC uh, all first first team all SEC the second team is uh, Jaden Shackelford of Alabama Colin Castleton the big center for Florida Severe Wheeler who I love watching play the the point guard for Georgia Georgia uh, Javante Smart Trendon Watford from LSU DJ Stewart Jr. from Mississippi State Jeremiah Tillman from Missouri and AJ Lawson from South Carolina and then the uh, the all freshman team really talented young league. Uh, Joshua Primo from Alabama, Moses Moody from Arkansas, Sharif Cooper, the very talented Auburn guard, Katie Johnson from Georgia, Isaiah Jackson at Kentucky, Cameron Thomas at LSU, and then Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer at, at Tennessee, the all-defensive team, Herbert Jones from Alabama, Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky, Abdul Adu from Mississippi State, Drew Jones, I mean, sorry, Drew Smith from Missouri, and uh, Eves Ponds, the uh, kind of swingman for the Tennessee Volunteers. So, again, the tournament starts 
on Wednesday. If you're uh, into college basketball, hope you enjoy that. We'll be back on Friday with another edition of SEC football and beyond. We'll talk about we'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about the show. We'll talk about all these stories. The LSU stuff's not going away. The Florida Georgia stuff's not going away. People are going to keep talking about it. We'll talk about the tournament and more. So for Chris, I'm Neil. Until then, take care. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.